Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and this is Percolating on Faith, a series where we discuss theological matters with Charmaine and Tony Chevella-Smith. Welcome back, Tony and Charmaine. (laughs) Hi, Carla. How are you doing? We're doing great. I'm so excited about this episode. So, listeners, you are incredibly lucky because not only is this percolating on faith, your very, very favorite series, of course, but we are starting a new subset of Percolating on Faith, a place where we discuss theology and only theology, what it is, why it's important. And this subset is called something really cool. Wait for it. Wait for it. God shot. <laughs> you like that? And and so actually, Tony and Charmaine, I don't know which one of you came up with this um, subset title, but why don't you tell us what a God shot is and why it's such a perfect name for this podcast? Sure. Well, <clears throat> a God shot is in coffee terms, like a near perfect shot of espresso. So we were looking for a kind of looking for some proper coffee terminology to use for this new series um, that that kind of fits the theme of percolating on faith. And lo and behold, I discovered that in the coffee world, Godshot is is this great term. Interestingly, some listeners may know that Godshot is also used by Alcoholics Anonymous. And Alcoholics Anonymous use it as a description of uh, a moment in an alcoholic's life when God becomes surprisingly real and things happen that are just not coincidences. So you can keep that in the background, but our, our choice of the term for this, this series of, of podcasts uh, is Godshot, and we're thinking of it in espresso terms and using it as a, you can also think of this, this, this series as Theology 101, but Godshot is, uh, just sounds a lot more fun. You know, I actually, after you um, told me about it, Godshot. I looked it up, and of course, I looked it up on the place I look up all of my theological terms. Urban, Dic- Urban Dictionary. Dictionary. Yes, <laughs> and and it was just perfect. So, Tony, thanks for coming up with that. I appreciate that. I think it's a really perfect title for what we were trying to do here because um, I think what we've learned is that a lot of people are a little bit scared of the word theology. I think, and um, maybe they don't understand the different types of theology, what goes into studying theology. And so I think that this subset of percolating on faith, Godshot, is just a way to kind of ease people into that study of theology, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Great way to say it. Yeah. Well, so let's just, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you in a, no, I'm going to pitch you an easy one. (laughs) What is theology? Sure. I mean, Charmaine and I teach a course at Graceland University called Introduction to Christian Theology. And on the very first day of that course, when we teach it every other fall, that's the question we have to start with. And so I think a simple way to start with it is to say that theology is careful, informed reflection on one's faith in God. That's one way to think about it. There's a classic definition that we love a lot that comes, well, it's it's, it's traced usually to St. Anselm of Canterbury in the 11th century, and he referred to theology as faith-seeking understanding. But the idea, the idea there is as old as St. Augustine in the 4th century. 
So that the, the the concept here is that you know faith refers to this living dynamic relationship of being grasped by this unknown we call God, and faith seeking understanding is our attempt to make as much sense of that as we can. So theology is trying to make sense of our relationship with God. So, I mean, it's it's a whole bunch more than just, you know, theology, the study of God. It's it has it's more personal than that, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's using the words and thoughts and uh, writings of others from the past, um, but not so much to study them and say, ooh, uh, what is God? Um, who is God to them? And that's who God should be to me. Um, when we're pulling in other views and other writers, it's to help us find words, ways to describe, ways to take in deeper um, what this what this relationship with God is about. So um, it's it's based in in a relationship, but you can uh, theologians can reach far and wide to um, to learn about and to to use others' experiences and, and understandings to to help shape their own way of describing that. So we, we can say that, you know, any any kind of theistic religion <clears throat> has something like theology that is something like careful reflection on what is believed. There's There are Islamic theologies and there are Jewish theologies and there are Christian theologies and because we are, Charmaine and I are, are Christians in the community of Christ tradition, our, our primary, our primary con- context for thinking about our faith is a Christian context. And so in Christian theology, there are some particular uh, sources and ways of approaching the topic. Um, and we'll get to those in, in subsequent, uh, you know, subsequent podcasts. Um, we're actually going to approach this quite systematically. Well, that's new. <laughs> you mean that systematic part? <laughs> yes, that systematic part. Um, we like the willy-nilly kind of approach, but <laughs> I, I actually appreciate both, both the willy-nilly and the systematic. So, um, you've talked a little bit about different types of theologies. What are what are more types of theologies that people have probably heard of? Um, I think there's some that are some that are more recent uh, that people are probably familiar with. Um, liberation theologies, uh, feminist theologies, womanist theologies. Um, there's process theology. There's also various kinds of historical theology. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, eco. There's eco. It's great. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and like liberation theologies are often broken down into subsets like Latin American liberation theology. And Charmaine mentioned womanist theology, which is the a, a type of liberation theology that African American women uh, theologians practice. So there's all kinds of ways to think about one's faith depending on one's setting and experience and context. So is it important to know what kind of theology that you subscribe to, or is that not important at all? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, again, I think uh, it's 
it's good to be informed about what are the kind of the main themes that run through different theologies, um, partly so that that you can again ha- have language know know what is a consistent. For instance, liberation theology. What's a consist? What are consistent elements that would be in various kinds of liberation theology? Uh, sometimes um, we may have a tendency to to pick and choose, mix and match theology. And though I think probably all of us to some extent may do that, um, we can often end up with competing concepts, ones that actually may. Um, weaken someone's um, overall understanding rather than to fortify it and, and and it's not like there's just one right way of thinking theologically there's a lot of different ways um, but um, it's it is good to know what these different kinds of theologies are so Tony what how would you describe uh, a few of them yeah well for example um Let's, let's go to feminist theology, or at least feminist Christian theology. Feminist Christian theology would be uh, types of theological reflection that take women's experience of oppression and marginalization as really uh, central to trying to understand the meaning and contents of the Christian faith. That becomes a kind of a lens by which to interpret and reinterpret Christian faith. So that's that's generally speaking how a theology of that type works. Um, African-American theologies of liberation, of course, take the experience of racism in different cultures and use that as a kind of interpretative tool for understanding Christian faith. Um, that, that's kind of one way to approach it. I mean, theology, uh, like love, <laughs> is a dance that you learn as you go, kind of. <laughs> so you... You have to start somewhere, and you have to be open to a lot of course corrections as you go. And for us, that's one of the things that is a necessary element in any theology, and that is a willingness to ask questions, yeah. to look honestly and openly at what the belief is or what experience is or what are the uh, accepted understandings of who God is, and be willing to, to face and address the questions. So that's, uh, if you want to keep growing uh, theologically, that's the best path, is to keep asking questions and being open to hearing. And actually one of the, we're going to suggest a couple of books later that will be our companions through, through the series, but in one of those books, Faith Seeking Understanding by Daniel Migliori, uh, he further defines theology as faith asking questions. And so... Uh, they're not pointless, meaningless questions. They're, they're questions that come out of the experience of faith and that are urgent, urgent questions for us to keep asking about what we believe, why we believe it, um, what do we do when we need to make changes or transformations of our beliefs, and uh, who, who, is this, who is this God who keeps pestering us so much? <laughs> so like a lot of things we discuss, it sounds like to be a theologian, one of the things you need to be is vulnerable and say, well, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm willing to pray or find out mm-hmm. or, or whatever to figure it out. So that's already a little bit scary, I'm sure, for some people. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think um, one of the things that might be helpful 
is that this is something that that we really um, advocate as a way of thinking about ourselves is that if you have ever thought about your faith, if you have ever asked questions, if you've ever tried to explain your faith to somebody else, you already are a theologian. You're doing Mm -hmm. what theology is about. Of course, you can um, equip yourself with specific tools um, to become, you know, like a a more full-time theologian or a professional (laughs) theologian and, um, you know, take courses or get a degree in theology. Um, but And even then, um, it's really important that, you be sh- that you're sure that the place that you're going to get a theological education is a place where questions and vulnerability are welcome, mm-hmm. uh, rather than a place where all they want to do is pour the right answers into your head and have you repeat them verbatim. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's helpful, you know, with that kind of intimidating feeling that people might have about, ooh, this theology thing sounds hard or or dangerous in some way. Yeah, you know, that that's a really good point, and that, that term or that phrase, faith-seeking understanding, the Latin phrase is fides quaerens intellectum. And intellectum in medieval Latin refers to the use of reason. So uh, it's theology is not just, you know, pouring a bunch of Bible texts and <laughs> prefabbed answers into people's heads. It's actual rational, critical reflection on our faith. And it's really important, I think, here, you know, since we're on the topic of, of questioning, to recognize that this is, and I think this is a big problem in all kinds of Christianity. It's this constant uh, tendency or temptation to to confuse faith with certitude, when faith itself is a an act of profound trust. Not it's not about having absolute certainty about things. Faith is, you know, like Paul says in one of his letters, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, the the theologian. Um, recognizes that faith-seeking understanding is going to be a journey, and that this is a journey that the church is on together, and that we've got to we've got to be open to the questions that are posed along the way. Yeah, and I, just adding on another piece here, and that is that theology is done best in community. Um, you know, we can each of us go and read some book and feel, you know, like we're <laughs> suddenly. Uh, smarter than everybody else and and deeply inspired um, but if we don't have a place to check that to check it against um, how how we live how we live in community how we live our lives um, theology is not just about ideas that we carry around in our head and and um, you know play games with other people with it's intended to help shape us um, help create places for faith to grow and so it's really important that we have others to to bounce the ideas and the concepts and the struggles um, with so that um, we can we can try it try out the ideas 
um, and not just go from fad to fad to fad, yeah. um, but um, discover with the help of others what what has lasting value. What what's consistent with our understanding and experience of God, of Christ, of the Spirit. So anyhow, that so not to be afraid of the theological journey. We're you're probably already on it if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> probably very much, very much on it already. And I think that whole point about community is so, so important. Actually, theology is less scary when you're doing it with other people, when you're when you're in a, in a group of, of folks who are committed to that journey. And I think it's that goes back to the roots of Christianity. Jesus didn't call a bunch of soloists. Jesus, Jesus called a community, he formed a community for... You know, trying to you know, live out, make sense of, interpret, reinterpret his teachings. And so it's just so important. So we've been talking a lot, Carla. Is this making sense? I Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I've been really appreciative of it. So uh, another question I had before we move on to a certain type of theo- theology to discuss, and, you, and you've alluded to this and you've talked about this, but we haven't like listed them out. So why is the study of theology even important? You know, why, why even do it if everybody's already kind of a theologian, if you, you know, if you have a faith that seeks understanding? I think it is that it's, it's kind of like, hmm, it's kind of like growing physically. Um, you, you don't stop growing new cells um, just because you, you know, uh, because you've got lots of them. It's the same with theology. You don't just stop somewhere with a, a complete and tidy theology. Um, it's it's something that um, continues to inform you and keeps, continues to stretch and shift with you throughout life. And that's one of the reasons it's important, is that it's not a straitjacket, um, but it's something that keeps growing with you and invites you to keep growing um, so, you know, sometimes we face something in life that we haven't ever faced before, uh, like some kind of a trauma or mm. the death of someone. And we're having to, and, and that can be a time when our, our theology takes a big zigzag and suddenly the things we thought we believed um, don't seem so real anymore. And then, and the answers we thought we had aren't fitting for the situation or the, the grief or the uncertainty that we're feeling. And, and so, um, to not feel just naming the theological task as that, um, helps us to know that it's an ongoing thing in our lives. And, just because our, our views change or we ask some questions of thoughts, beliefs that we had or were trained to believe as children, doesn't mean we're being unfaithful. It means that we're being open to the Spirit in this moment, in this time. And, and that's all theology. That's um, this relationship with God that keeps changing and growing with us. So it's kind of essential, I think. Yeah, I, I mean that—that's a really good question. Why? Why do we need this? Why? Why is it important? And I could think of an, another reason why theology is important, and that is because uh, religion 
can be a tool of powerful abuse in people's lives. And if you, unless you learn to think critically about a religion, uh, about one's own religion, it's it's so easy to turn the the one's one's sense and desire for the ultimate into the absolute conviction that one is the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And we all see what happens in American religious culture when that when that goes on. Theology is a way. F- it's it's a way we check ourselves. It's a way we restrain our impulses to try to totalize everything and and make everybody conform to our way of looking at stuff. Theology helps us realize that what we're talking about ultimately is a God who is infinite and beyond beyond our our, our best capacities to articulate. Even though we need to try, um, it helps. Theology is essential to help us not use our sacred texts in ways that that manipulate and abuse people. Um, it helps us stay open to the idea that God still has more light and truth and that the, the meaning of life is unfolding in front of us. It keeps us from misinterpreting misinterpreting Jesus and what Jesus was about and turning it into you know simplistic formulas or bumper stickers. Um, so there's all these things that theology helps us do and and the more, the more good theology we learn and the more we learn how to be thoughtful theologians, in lots of ways, the more it opens us more fully to the God that we're trying to, to, to follow. So there's lots, lots of reasons to, to learn theology, to, to gain, gain uh, new vocabulary and new experience by you know, uh, immersing ourselves in this long journey that theology has been. Yeah, I, oh, I'm convinced. I know, I'm. well, of course I am. But actually, you know, in Community of Christ, we we say a lot that we really want people to think critically about it. And I think that for the most part, we follow through with that, that we really want people to think critically about who God is to them, who Jesus is to them, and and make sure that they're just not swallowing everything that they said from the pulpit, making sure they're thinking about it. So Tony, I really appreciate that you said that about being able to think critically about your um, your religion. I mean, I think that's one reason, that's one thing that makes Community Christ who we are, because we want that. We don't want people to just uh, walk away and think no big deal. In fact, every time I preach a sermon and I see people nodding and no one says anything to me about it afterwards, I realize that I must have done a horrible sermon only because no one's thinking about it now. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, the whole thinking about it and being active in your faith is, I think, a really cool part about learning theology. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. So we've talked a little bit about different types of theology. You mentioned different types of theology. I, tonight, I believe we want to talk about systematic theology, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so let's jump into that. What is systematic theology? Well, uh, in Christian theology, there's there's different different uh, divisions of labor. We'll call it. So um, you'd say that there's biblical theology, which which tries to you know understand scripture in terms of its witness to God, Christ, and Spirit. And there's historical theology, which tries to understand how has the church's faith in Christ been interpreted through the ages, and what can we gain from, you know, say ancient or medieval or early modern theologians that might help us in our journey now. There's there's philosophical theology, 
which often tries to reflect on, um, you know, how our current ways of understanding and knowing things might be useful for the theological task. There's pastoral theology, which deals very practically with things like preaching and pastoral care and, you know, what's, what's, what's appropriate when you make pastoral visits, that kind of thing. There's also spirit, what's called spiritual theology, which is about spiritual practices and spiritual formation and, and the actual life of discipleship. Systematic theology is another division of labor, and the simplest way to describe it is that it's the methodical kind of explication of the contents of the Christian faith. Um, it's an old discipline in Christianity, goes back, gosh, to the at least to the third century, and it arose in Christianity uh, in the Roman Empire as a way to help. Uh, Converts to this new religion uh, who are coming from polytheistic pagan religions into Christianity, how do you help them understand what it is they're being going to be baptized into? So systematic theology arose primarily as a, a way to very carefully and methodically explain this is what Christian faith is. And there's a sort of traditional traditional order to how it's done, and it followed it followed the uh, the, the creeds that were developing in the third and fourth centuries. Uh, so, in other words, you explain the faith by saying, you start with, we believe. What does it mean to have faith? How do we have any knowledge of God at all? We believe in, as the creed would have said, God the Father Almighty. Who is this Christian God that we, we worship? Uh, creator of heaven and earth. What does it mean that God is creator uh, in that ancient Roman context? And then, and we believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. So, who is Jesus uh, what is Jesus about? What does Jesus bring? Um, how, how do we connect to Jesus? Um, and in the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And how are these three one God? And so um, that's how uh, systematic theology arose, as this att- attempt to try and very carefully, and as the word says, systematically, uh, help converts or potential converts to Christianity understand what they were getting into. Right? What, what do we believe and why do we believe it? So that's what systematic theology is basically about. And I think one thing we should say before um, before we before anybody gets too nervous about, I use the word creed. <laughs> the word creed simply comes from the Latin word that means to believe. And creeds are statements of belief. And they arose in ancient Christianity as the kinds of things that were used at baptismal services. In other words, they were kind of, I, I think of them as the, the Pledge of Allegiance that people were making when they were being baptized into the faith of Jesus. And the Restoration tradition is not is not actually a foreigner to creeds. Um, Joseph Smith Jr. in in what in Community of Christ we called Doctrine and Covenants section 17 gives a kind of his own approximation of what's in the Apostles' Creed there. You can put the two side by side and see quite amazing similarities. Joseph was aware of these. And then his 1842 statement um, some, that in our tradition we've called the epitome of faith. That was a kind of creed. And community of Christ has used statements of belief ever since. Um, what we don't do with them is we don't turn them into a kind of, uh, you know, sign in blood here. And if you vary, if you vary a syllable. <laughs> Not a test of, yeah. of membership. Yeah. So they're just, they're, they've always, they've been intended to be kind of uh, 
a shorthand way to get at what Christianity is about, or I guess I'd say they're like the sparks notes of <laughs> of, of Christianity. So systematic theology tried to tried to take these sparks notes and say, this is what we mean by this. This is what we mean by this. This is what we mean by that. Does that help, Carla? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, but there's so many different types. Like how, how do you like keep them straight or how do you choose one or do you have to choose one? One kind of theology or, or one kind of? Yeah, uh, one kind of theology. I mean, like I said earlier, we, we all do mix and matches. Um, we probably all have benefited, if, if we've been churchgoers at all, we've probably all benefited from somebody's systematic theology, mm-hmm. um, from somebody's systematic approach to you know, these topics of who is God and who is Christ and what is the Holy Spirit and what is Scripture and what is Revelation and uh, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, but um, the good thing about approaching something in a systematic way, uh, you know, in a systematic theology, is that you get to see the continuity, like the continuity be- between um, what is it we believe about God and how, and therefore then what is consistent to believe about who Jesus is or, or what um, Jesus ministry meant or what Jesus death and resurrection mean um, and so that's the the beauty of systematic theologies and and I would say that among like mainstream Christians um, there's a there's a lot so I'm thinking um, Lutherans Methodists um, Episcopal or uh, um, Anglican mm-hmm. Presbyterians that their approach to systematic theology would be all very similar and I would say community of Christ systematic theology would, would have many 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 touch points uh, along the way in fact um, the two books that we're going to suggest um, I'll go ahead and name them right now. So what, what we're suggesting is that if there are listeners who would like to uh, to get a textbook uh, on a systematic theology and and uh, read the appropriate chapter for the for our next Godshot, um, that uh, they could do so. And and the two books that we're recommending. Are, one is called Faith Seeking Understanding by Daniel Migliori, and it's the third edition. And Migliori is spelled M I G L I O R E, because that's always tricky. <laughs> um, and the other one is Introduction to Christian Theology by Bradley C. Hansen. And um, this is a text that we use in our undergraduate classes when we're looking at an introduction to, to Christian theology. And Hansen's background is... Um, He's Lutheran. Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Migliori? Migliori is Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Yep. Migliori was one of my teachers when I was at seminary, and another Community of Christ member, Dale Luffman, uh, who's retired now from Council 12, uh, was also a student of Migliori's. And so these are, are two systematic theologies from different denominations, but ones that would have very similar um, 
understandings of those categories that are part of a, a systematic theology. Um, and so we'll be telling you uh, each time what chapters to read in those books if you'd like to do a little background reading before our, our, our next uh, topic in systematic theology. Yeah, and, and so um, Charmaine mentioned one of these books is from a Lutheran and one's from a Presbyterian, and yet they and the Community of Christ share a lot of common language and common concepts. But each one is flavored a little differently, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> so Migliori's flavoring is, is Presbyterian Reformed tradition, and you know, Hansen's flavoring is, is a kind of modern Lutheran so flavoring. So one is mint chocolate chip and the other is hot fudge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then what, what we're going to try to do each time when we're on a topic is we're going to try to... to also give what, what a community of Christ flavoring of a particular topic might be. You know, so for example, when we get to the Trinity, you know, what we we're going to we're going to say that we, we share in common with with these these figures, Meliori and Hansen, as well as with the whole Western Christian tradition, belief in God as Trinity, a a distinctively community of Christ flavoring of that doctrine is that we can connect it to Zion, as, that is the idea of, of living in community, because is if God's eternal being is communal, then that ought to be, we think that, that ought to be reflected in our work in the world, that, that community is not just some catchy, some sort of catchy little thing that we have, have uh, kind of you know, grabbed onto, but actually living in community is a reflection of the very essence of God's being, so, so that, that's an example of how we might give a little community of Christ flavoring to things we otherwise share in common with these other traditions. So, Hansen, Charmaine mentioned we use Hansen with undergrads. It's because Hansen taught undergrads and he wrote this book for undergrads, and so we like it for its clarity and simplicity. Migliori taught seminary students, uh, and so he's he is very, very careful and methodical and and. Uh, uh, very precise um, and very thorough. And both of these theologians, like us in Community of Christ, are extremely sensitive to issues of gender inclusion and equality and, uh, and the search for justice. So, so those are some, some texts we can recommend. And uh, in fact, actually, for our next Godshot, Carla, we would say um, our topic is going to be what does it mean that God is self-revealing? And for those who want to f- read a chapter in, in either book, if they want to read the book, in Meliora it would be chapter 2, and in Hansen it would be chapter 1. Um, and so that will be our topic for our next God shot. What does it mean that God is self-revealing? Okay, so just so our listeners get that, so in... Hansen's book, Intro to Christian Theology, that's chapter one. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's titled Faith and Theology. Yeah, the chapter, yeah. Okay. Yep. And for, um, for next time in Faith Seeking Understanding, read chapter two. Right, which is, the title is uh, mm-hmm. Meaning of Revelation. Awesome. And we'll be discussing what does it mean that God is self-revealing. Right, right. Very fun. Because before you can talk about who is this God... You have to talk about how do we even know there might be a God. So, 
that's why we oh, why we start where we start. <laughs> right, right, right. Is is God just a concept we conveniently made up in our heads? Because there are some atheists and agnostics today who would say that's that's basically what religion is. Or is the concept of God that's in our heads that we've come up with? Is it actually a correlate? Does it correlate to something that's going on? I.e., God actually is, and God's trying to get in touch with us. Right. So, so that's uh, one of the things we'll approach next time. That'll be really interesting. I, I I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, so I listeners, I hope you understand. This is really just an introduction to a kind of a subset of our percolating on faith series. We really want to discuss for, with you and for you what theology is and why we think that it's important in community of Christ to, that we understand we are theologians and the things that we think and say and do actually do matter. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we'd like to add to this, too, is that, yeah, the- theology isn't, there's a lot of intellectual discipline that goes into it, but we want to stress, too, that this is not just a head trip, is that, that theology at its best involves the whole person, and that includes our heart, it includes our faith life, our devotional life, and so... Um, Prayer as well as study belong belong in our <laughs> our, our theological practice. Very very important. Um, if if this God we're going to talk about is real, then trying to have real and vital contact with this God is an extremely important aspect of of our theological reflection. Yeah, because if you're just too much head or too much heart, then. Well, you just become a little bit unreachable unreachable in both of those ways, right? Yeah, yeah either one can, can lead you uh, into a, a two-dimensional world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank goodness I'm not all head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have a wonderful balance. Um, you have a very strong pastoral side that, that you just can't help <laughs> but let out. And all I have to do is is uh, hear and see you preach as there are tears running down your cheeks. And I know that though you're well-reasoned your sermon, um, you're engaged uh, fully in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's very kind. Gosh, thanks. My husband would say I preach to him every day without tears running down my face. But... <laughs> Lucky him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. He he just needs to learn to listen to God, doesn't he, Carla? <laughs> <laughs> As God speaks through me. Yes. <laughs> well, um, listeners, you're welcome that we took you down that path. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, thank you, Charmaine. That was very kind. So uh, is there anything else that we need to discuss as kind of an introduction to our Godshot series? Uh, people can send you questions maybe along the way and mm. in subsequent God shots, maybe we can you know, spend a few minutes trying to just toss clarify around and clarify. Or, yeah. 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 I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Any questions you can write down listener at the project Zion website, which is project Zion or project Zion podcast.org. And you can send in some questions. You can leave comments mm-hmm. and we'll be sure to get those. Cool. Well, we're ha- well, happy to be doing this journey together on this on this particular series. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Thank you so much for being willing to even go a little bit deeper into our Percolating on Faith series and just really try and 
uh, is attack the wrong word? Attack theology. <laughs> really get after it. Im- so, immerse ourselves in theology. How does that sound? That's a little bit kinder, I think. I like it. Or fla- and a little more peaceful. Or flail around in theology. That's probably more accurate for most of us. Yes. Most that, of the time. I, I actually have this really good picture in my mind of what that looks like, and I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Well, thanks again for being here, and I look forward to the rest of our series. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 